Welcome to Section 420, Talking Yankees, the podcast. Well, it's not just any episode, but it's the 200th episode of the audio podcast version of Section 420, Talking Yankees. So thank you very much. You've been hanging along on this little bit of roller coaster ride. Or if you just come on very recently, don't worry. Uh, you, know, you always go back to the old episodes and catch up on the other 199 you might have missed there. So, uh, and of course, it'd be nice, you know, if this is on the better situation with the Yankees, if they're like kind of, you know, winding down the season, but, you know, getting ready for a playoff run and kind of getting the starting rotation set and again, kind of debating, well, who makes the postseason roster, who doesn't make the postseason roster. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, that's not the case there. So it's going to be an interesting offseason. So there is a lot of stuff to look forward to. So again, if you haven't subscribed yet, it's your first time. Don't worry. You can catch the next 200 episodes uh, just by subscribing. So wherever you're listening to this right now, make sure you subscribe. Section 420 Talking Yankees. Get notified when new content goes up. Get these wrap-up reports, um, other cool stuff, Yankee stories, interviews. In fact, just speaking about it, you could go over to the YouTube channel, Section 420 Talking Yankees on YouTube. Uh, uh, recently dropped the most recent episode, kind of going off topic a little bit, just because, you know, kind of now entering the off season. Had an interesting conversation with Cigar Box Card. So it's a gentleman who designs custom card displays for um, baseball card or trading card collectors. So it's not only baseball, but it could be anything, any sort of card or sort of memorabilia you want, this guy could design it for you. So make sure you check out that interview. Again, that's by going to over to YouTube as well. Section 420 Talking Yankees, it's, it's all over the place. But nevertheless, we'll guys, just wrap up this Blue Jay series, which is, I don't know, is that... It was, I mean, obviously it's miserable. You lose two out of three. But, I mean, there were a couple of good things to take away from it. I guess this was really the coming out party for Michael King as a starter. Uh, we'll get into that. It's the second game. Now, the first game, the Yankees dropped. You know, Clark Schmidt came out there, who's been, again, overall good for the Yankees. But this was really the first two games. you got to put it on the Yankee offense. They didn't even show up. And even if you look at Aaron Judge now, I mean, even he's hitting, like, on the 270. So, it's just... The whole lineup up and downs is not giving you that much. Um, but the first game, Yankees already down 2-1. to one. Uh, Schmidt ends up giving up a two-run home run uh, to Bo Bichette there. Puts the Yankees behind 4-1. to one. At that point, this team is really not going to do anything. Just kind of really sleptwalked the offense through the first two games. And even the stadium itself was kind of dead. It was empty. Uh, and then in the ninth inning, uh, they were able to tack on a couple more runs. Alejandro Kirk also with a home run there. And the Yankees dropped the first game. By a score of seven to one, there again they were never really in this one, and it's kind of the same thing with the second game. But the second game, um, it wasn't really till later on that the offense kicked in for the Toronto Blue Jays. But really, it was Michael King was kind of the star of the show early on. Um, really, again his big coming out party, and again overall, I kind of been against the idea of using him as a star. I just like the idea of having him like in the bullpen for two innings, kind of like a la Mariano Rivera back in '96, when you could have a guy come out for the seventh and eighth inning and just blow those, you know, six batters away, and then you go right to the closer. That was basically the Yankee uh, formula in '96. There, I saw a little of that in Michael King. I'm not saying Michael King's anywhere near Mariano Rivera because again, if you remember too, Mariano was a starter originally, and just you know, obviously not something he was good at. They adapt to, and then they eventually had him go to the bullpen, and that's where he just absolutely exploded. So I think you know, same way Mariano was good for that. I think Michael King's better suited for using his stuff coming out and instead of worrying about going about six or seven innings be able to be amped up and just you know throw everything he can in within two innings but nevertheless uh the yankees are getting trying to stretch him out as a starter overall it's been positive and that's probably gonna be the case we'll see with 2024 we know what the rotation looks like but uh king again brilliant in this one seven innings uh 13 strikeouts a career high for him only given one earned run it's kind of like an infield little hit there but you know whatever um, but unfortunately, this was another game where, yet again, the Yankee bats didn't show up, didn't support King. And later on in the game, both Tom Canely and Ian Hamilton would get cuffed up. And the Yankees would drop the second game by a score to 7-1. So you look at two games there, basically the Yankees outscored by a score of 13-2 in the first game there. So again, it's a miserable job by the Yankee offense. But finally, 
in the third game, they would wake up behind that ace, Garrett Cole, making his last start at Yankee Stadium. Then probably maybe overall his last start totally just for the year. Maybe they decide after this to shut him down. Uh, Boone did go the distance with him. So Cole with a great performance. Should be the American League Cy Young Award winner and, you know, despite this the one bright spot of this Yankee season, was brilliant for the Yankees. Now, they got him some run support early on, two runners on in the bottom of the first inning. Jake Bowers with his 12th home run of the year. It's kind of a home run there, kind of slicing, just snuck in there, uh, the right field pole. And then from there, just cold as dealing, uh, filthy as ever. Eight innings, nine strikeouts, only gave up one run, and really it was from a wild pitch he threw. Uh, so it wasn't like, you know, somebody gave up a home run or something like that. And then brought in Clay Holmes, who, again, hasn't pitched in a while. Uh, he struggled a little bit, so it wasn't great outing by Holmes, but eventually was able to lock down the game in the ninth inning. The Yankees come away with a 5-3 to three victory. Again, but the star would be Garrett Cole. Again, eight in- innings of brilliant work. So, again, this really should have been a good series where you're talking about, you know, King and Cole. King Cole, maybe that would have been the headline. Uh, but, of course, this course the second game there. Michael King got no uh, offensive support there. Um, so obviously, you know, you look at the box score, you know, unless you actually saw the game and know what happened, you wouldn't even know about King having a great performance there. So it's just kind of unfortunate, but the Yankees finally able to stay away from getting swept at home there. And then again, take that final game by a score of five to three. And now they will welcome the, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks into town for a three game weekend series at the stadium. But of course the story is going to be tonight. It's the quote unquote fire, I guess we could call it the hashtag fire cashman night. Kind of mentioned a little bit, maybe here, definitely mentioned on the YouTube version of the show. Uh, you know, the gentleman, Jonathan Maspeth, that's his Twitter handle, organizing a little little get-together there in, right, in the right field bleaches there at Yankee Stadium tonight. Uh, basically, it's going to be the fire cashman night. So basically, it's bring your signs, you know, put, uh, you know, brown bags over your head. And this is going to be about booming cashman, chanting fire cashman. I don't think Hal's going to hear that. Whatever Hal decides to do this offseason, it's going to have nothing to do with this. So this is just a little stunt. But hey, look, at the end of the year, you got nothing to do. You want to have some fun, go ahead, do it. You know, I don't think it makes a difference either way. But, you know, it's going to be interesting, you know, what kind of crowd is there tonight. I saw one thing where supposedly the Yankee organization is not happy with this. They've been trying to, like, combat this or try to at least stop the spread of this, like, online. And I don't think it was true or not, but I even saw one thing where supposedly on StubHub they took down people being able to buy tickets to this Friday, you know, September 22nd game. Well, I looked more recently. It was still listed there, so you can't buy a ticket if you want to go there. So I've heard these things. I don't know if there were rumors or not, but, you know, it just seems like this is like really the first time the Yankee organization has had something like this. Again, this is an organization that's been uh, pretty successful over the past, you know, 30 years. So there hasn't been any of these sort of stunts. So, I mean, you see this in Pittsburgh. You see this in Milwaukee. You see this in, like, whatever. This name of town has been, you know, this has been terrible. Maybe Baltimore as well. Obviously, now they've recouped themselves. But some organizations in, in cities like Oakland, I've seen this with the Selva team. You know, these stunts you see with other teams, you don't see this with the New York Yankees. Like, this, of course, they're so, um, so I'm sure they're embarrassed by it. So, this is going to be interesting uh, to see how this all turns out tonight. You know, again, uh, it's not something that this organization or this fan base is used to. So, that, you know, that'll be that. Now, the news off the field, um, you know, they did, as I mentioned, uh, go ahead with the Tommy John surgery for De- uh, Jason Dominguez. So that happened on Wednesday the 20th. Uh, looked like everything went well. They released some pitches afterwards. He was kind of drinking, looks like he was drinking a seltzer or a, a, a ginger ale there out of the straw, but thumbs up. Look, all looked well. But other story out there as well is Otani. Now, he's going to have also surgery. They're going to like that. Now, interesting in him, the doctor claims that by the start of the 2024 season, he'll be able to hit and be a, uh, a position player with no restrictions, but he's not going to be able to pitch till 2025. Now, this is going to be interesting because obviously he's going to enter the free agency this year. Now, does that make any difference on his price tag, more or less? I mean, you know, you could still get him as a pitcher as well, so he's still a two-way player, but you're going to have to wait to 2025. So, 
I don't think affects it too much. Maybe a, a hair tick. Basically, with the the Tommy John surgery he had a couple years ago, they're gonna reinforce it, which is like, well, why didn't you reinforce it the first time? So that's kind of the name of this procedure. It's the reinforcement of the Tommy John. Uh, so he'll have that in all season. But again, according to this doctor, he should have no problem being able to be there for opening day of 2024. So if you're looking to spend some money on Otani, he'll be a guy there. Are the Yankees getting involved? Probably. I just don't see it happening. Just again. Uh, he's someone the Yankees could use. I'm sure maybe he would like to play for the New York Yankees because he kind of been, you know, wasting a couple years there for the uh, Los Angeles Angels there. And kind of, all right, yeah, you get some fanfare and stuff like that. But, you know, it's a team that's had no shot really, you know, at all there. I know this trade deadline, uh, they were getting close there in the wild card and they did make a couple of moves, but then he's completely bottomed out. Again, the word is that Otani's kind of tired of, you know, wasting his time with Angels. He wants to be a team that's going to make the postseason every year. Again, I know the Yankees haven't done it this season, but usually the Yankees are in contention. I'm sure Otani knows well about that. Plus, I'm sure, you know, he's looked up when he was younger, seeing like Matsui and pinstripes and digging that. So, I'm sure he would be interested. I just don't know if the Yankees are going to pursue him because you're looking about, again, he's going to be a $400 million player, and I just don't know if the Yankees want to shell that all out. Look what's going on with this team. Uh, just mainly, you know, I want to backtrack a little bit with uh, Gio Colastan. Again, he was asked after, I believe it was, it was the second game of the Toronto series, and he admitted that, yeah, he's, it's just, he's been terrible. He's been holding the team down, and you still got to pay this guy $98 million. And I don't know what goes behind the scenes, how much these teams really have money-wise and stuff like that. I mean, look, Otani, you spend money on him, great, but he's going to bring in a lot of revenue. He's going to sell, he's going to put fannies in, in the seats. You think about the advertising, not only with the U.S. companies, but Japanese companies. We saw that with Matsui a little bit as well. So, look, he could bring in revenue as well. So, if you spend money on Otani, yeah, he's also going to bring in money. I just don't think, again, after the $360 million they shelled out for Judge and 160 for Rendon, are they now going to fork over $400 million for this guy? Hey, I'd be all for it, but I just don't think it's going to happen. More than likely, like I see them going off the Yamamoto, the pitcher. Again, he's 25 years old. Again, he's a one-trick pony. Just worry about him pitching. He's probably not going to cost $400 million. He might cost maybe a little shade over $200 million. But here's a guy, again, he's 25 years old, very young yet. And, of course, you know he's going to be pitching right away versus Otani. Now, you look at Otani anyway more as a position player. But Otani, again, if you want him pitching, you have to wait till 2025. I would say of the two of them, I think the Yankees likely more go off the Yamamoto if I had to make a guess. But We'll see how all that rolls out. So that's the episode. Michael King, I would say, of the, you know, because you always expect Garrett Cole to be good there, so I don't say that's really the story. The story would be Michael King, seven innings, just one run ball, 13 strikeouts. So, you know, proving that, hey, look, he could be a starter. And something he mentioned that, you know, originally, if you remember, the Yankees did bring him up to use him as a starter in 2020 and 2021. It just had some setbacks, had some injuries, but uh, maybe he's finally got his stuff together where he could do this. So, hey, if I'm wrong about it, I have no problem being wrong about it. I think he's better suited for the bullpen, but look, if he could do it and he could perform like that, you know, here and there, I'll certainly take it. So uh, we'll catch the Fire Cashman game tonight. We'll see how that all goes, and we'll catch you on the next episode.